Welcome to the Productivity Show by Asian Efficiency, helping you do more and be better. And now here's your host, Zachary Sexton. Last week at the end of Michael Hyatt's interview, I gave you a little forecast of what would be on the Productivity Show, and I promised email, and this week you're getting energy. The reason for that, though, is because Zach Arnold is releasing a mini course in the dojo. Every month, if you're a dojo member, you get access to a new course on productivity. Last month, we had one on Evernote and just the essentials of, of how to set up and organize your Evernote. This month, it's all on energy and creativity and the tools that you need for uh, doing that. I just got done reviewing Zach's module, and he, it, it, was, it was awesome. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of, a lot of things I want to buy now uh, in addition to my standing desk, some accessories that would be fun to use. So we decided to bump this podcast up in order to give Dojo members a little sneak peek of what they're going to get in the course. So please enjoy this fun, energized conversation with Mr. Zach Arnold. You are tuned into the Productivity Show by Asian Efficiency. My name is Zachary Sexton, and today I have with me Zach Arnold. Welcome, Zach. I'm so excited to be back with my productivity brother from another mother. That is exactly how I was going to introduce you. You've been on twice. The first time in episode 17, we just talked about general fitness and your story, how you got to where you are today. Uh, you're, you're a a fantastic Hollywood video editor, but a big part of that industry is it's super unhealthy. You spend lots of hours sitting down in front of the computer screen, more so than even most knowledge workers, which is astounding because 16-hour days are are not uncommon uh, from what you've told me. And you started to have a a bunch of health problems, and you learned to fix yourself. We talked about that in that episode. And in episode 41, we talked about your documentary, Go Far, amazing documentary too. So if people want to find out more about your backstory and what you get up to, go to those episodes. But today, my productivity brother from another mother, Zach, spelled Z-A-C-K the correct way, uh, and I will be talking about fitness in the workplace and how movement and, and just keeping your body flowing during the day actually helps you increase your energy levels and makes you more creative throughout the day. So I'm, I'm ready to dive in. Are you, are you good to go, Zach? I'm ready, baby. The first question I got for you is, I guess, maybe just the why. I'm, I'm a questioner. I always want to know the reason why I need to do something or I won't do it. Um, so why movement? Why is that so vital for having more energy and being more creative during the workday? Well, the reason that movement is so important is because that was the way that our bodies were designed. Like from an evolutionary perspective, we've spent tens of thousands of years moving. That's what we were designed to do. You wake up in the morning, you walk the fields, you, you know, walk in the desert, whatever part of the climate of the world you're in, we're designed to move. But because of the nature of our lives now and the conveniences that we have and the technology that we have, we are no longer moving. I mean, the the average American is now primarily sitting. That's 86% of people in America primarily sit and we are sedentary for up to 21 hours per day. Those numbers are shockingly astounding. 
And unlike diets or any type of other exercise program where, well, you know, this diet works for this person or not this person, there's always the perfect diet for you, or there's always some people like yoga, some people like other things. Everybody needs to move. Every single person needs to move. It's not one of those things that it works for some and works for others where there are some people that say, eh, eh, moving's just not for me. I'm really good with just being sedentary all day long. And it's actually worked out really, really well for me. So everybody needs to move. But the problem is that if you, like you said, a knowledge worker, if you're somebody that works in one fixed spot all day long, sitting is basically killing your creativity. And creativity is my livelihood. If I can't be creative and I can't generate ideas and I can't fix problems, I can't work and I can't support my family. So I spent years and years absolutely miserable trying to figure out how do I survive working 16-hour days? And that's not an exaggeration in my industry. If you listen to any of the podcast interviews that I've done with people that are at high levels in my industry, 12 to 16 hours is the norm, and that's six or seven days a week. And that's in front of a computer. So I decided I don't want to live that way. But there's really no program or information that says, here's how to stay incredibly active, engaged and creative if you're in a fixed spot all day long. So I finally decided after years of experimentation, well, the program doesn't exist. So I'm just going to do it myself. And to make a distinguishing point right here, you feel like movement and exercise are are in two different buckets. Is that correct? Absolutely. I think that's one of the major uh, issues that people have and the struggles that they have is they're always thinking, well, I know I need to be more active and I know I've read the headline that says that sitting is killing you. I get all of that, but I just don't have the time. Like I, I don't have time to go to the gym in the morning because I have to take care of my kids and I don't have time to go to the gym at lunch because they make me eat my lunch in front of my computer and I don't have time to go to the gym after work because I walk out of my office at 11 o'clock at night. So people use time as their excuse to not be able to be active. But I try to I, I teach my students and the people that listen to my podcast that exercise and activity should be two very distinct different things in your mind. And anybody can stay active and move more throughout the day. You just need to understand how to restructure your day, how to restructure your office and how to restructure your movement habits. So you can be active all day long without ever having going to the gym. Like there are days where I will not do anything except be glued to the computer and I'm I've got crazy deadlines and then I'll get home and I'm like, man, I didn't do anything today. And then I'll look at my Fitbit and I have 13,000 steps. That's without me going anywhere. That's without me checking into a gym. That's just me habitually doing all the strategies that I've learned and becoming active without ever actually separating it and doing exercise. My girlfriend is a teacher and it's her first week back to school and she always wears one of those trackers. She got a new one. I'm forgetting the name of it, but she got one that was waterproof and uh, offered me her Fitbit. She's like, Zach, I'm wondering how much you move around during the day. And I've been nervous to even put it on because I don't actually want to know. So if someone's starting from ground zero, they show up and and maybe plop down at 9 a.m. and uh, they only get up for a few times for food and bio breaks and then clock out towards the end of the day at five or six o'clock or maybe in your industry's case, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11 o'clock, what would you suggest they do to start adding more movement to their day to get those 10, 12,000 steps that you did without even going to the gym. 
Well, the first step would kind of be going back to what you just said. Even before deciding you're going to start doing more, you have to know what your baseline is. So you have to track. You have to quantify your activity so you can look at a number and say, whoa, so this is kind of my normal day. This isn't great. Like a normal number for people in my industry that start with my program is probably two to 3,000 steps a day. And if you've never tracked steps, you're like, man, that's a lot of steps. It's actually really, really, really not a lot of steps. And it's the, the minimum that you should get on a normal day to be, if you're even being remotely active, is around 10,000. So if you have 2,000 to 3,000 steps a day, that's a warning sign that you need to make major changes. So even before choosing to make changes, you have to understand your baseline, which is about tracking. And now anybody can track. You don't even need to buy a Fitbit or a Garmin or spend the money. You can just get a free app on your phone and stick it in your pocket. So that excuse has been removed. But then you have to start figuring out what are the the ways that I can create a more dynamic work environment around me? How can I make sure that like an example that I tell people that I do, which is a really small one, is that I make my office, and you're gonna think this is hilarious being a productivity expert, I make my office as inefficient as possible, which means that most people will design their office space so that where they're sitting, they can reach their printer, they can reach their stapler, they can bend over and they can throw something in the garbage. I put all that stuff as far away from my desk as possible. So anytime that I need to throw something away, I have to walk over across to the other corner of the room and throw it away. Seems like a small thing, but there's 20 or 30 steps. And if I'm sitting at the time, it forces me to stand up. And that is a huge thing is just making the change from sitting to standing. A lot of what a lot of people will say to me is, oh, well, I have a standing desk, so I'm all good. I'm healthy. And I'm like, well, having a standing desk is like 2% better than sitting all day long, but you're still sedentary. So for those that are at fixed standing workstations, standing all day long, it's really not any better than sitting. And if you had option A, which is you sit at a desk, but you have movement habits versus option B, which is that you stand all day long, but you don't do anything. Option A is infinitely healthier for you because there's nothing wrong with sitting. It's sitting for long periods of time. So if people get fooled by sitting is killing you, there's nothing wrong with sitting. You just shouldn't be doing it for continuous periods of time. So you have to find ways to break it up. And just by standing up, And by walking over to your garbage can and doing that five times a day or grabbing your stapler or whatever it is, your body is initiating all of these systems where you're increasing your circulation, you're initiating a change in fluids and hormones. These are all things that don't happen when you're sedentary, whether you're sitting or standing. It's something that's called uh, NEAT, Non-Exercise Activity Thermogenesis. It's a concept that I learned from a former NASA scientist that was in the life sciences division that was studying the effects that gravity have on us when we are sedentary and when we sit all day long. And if, as long as you keep your body moving and you find ways to just get up and move, that's where you get started. The other thing that I always give people are a list of easy wins. Really simple examples being that, for example, when I park in the morning, I park as far away as I possibly can in the far corner of the structure. And if it's a, you know, a multi-tiered structure with floors, I always park on the roof. So then that way, when I have to go back to my car at night, I have to climb like seven or eight flights of stairs to get to it. So that's it's just changing things in your environment that you're already doing. It's not adding time to your day. It's just saying these are things I already do. How can I just make them more active? So aside from inefficient 
buying your office space, uh, which I think is pretty funny. We, we just had a expert on lean and it's, it's all about manufacturing and how to make things as efficient as possible. So it's almost the opposite approach, but you are overall physiologically making yourself more efficient because well, yes. you're getting up and moving. And that, and that is a huge distinction. I'm glad you said that because it's, it's about making your environment less efficient so you can make your brain more efficient. Because if you're sitting all day long, reaching for the printer, reaching for the stapler, throwing things away, you're actually becoming more inefficient yourself because you don't have that circulation going to your brain. Your brain needs fuel, and that fuel is oxygen. And when you sit all day long, you're not providing your brain fuel. And if you're a knowledge worker and you're doing creative work, you're infinitely less efficient as the day progresses if you're not moving. So even though you're thinking, oh, my God, well... I'm not going to take 30 seconds to stand up and go throw something away in the back corner of the room. Then I'm going to get out of the zone. I'm going to lose my focus. But the key is that if you space those things out throughout the day, you're going to have more mental stamina and you're going to be able to be creative for longer periods of time. Okay. So let's say you, you, did step one, which is to track somehow an app in your phone, a Fitbit, however you're going to figure out how much you're actually moving, get your baseline. And the baseline wasn't good. It was 3,000 steps. Then you move your trash can, you park further away, and you're at five or 6,000 steps. Do you have any implementation suggestions for getting up to that 10, 12,000? And actually, before you answer that question, I've always been curious. How far is 10,000 steps? 10,000 steps, it, it depends on your stride and depends on your height. Um, so, you know, if you're 5'3 versus 6'2, those numbers are going to be different. But I'm fairly average height, and it's roughly five miles. Oh, so okay. Wow. On a, okay. on a normal day, when I don't put in too much effort, I get around the 10,000 step number. And on busier days, when I say busier, I mean like where I'm more active, where I'm not super... Um, involved in a project and have to be glued to my computer with somebody sitting next to me, um, then I'll usually get twelve to 14,000 steps. Like, you know, the the day that I was really surprised where I thought I hadn't done anything, I had like 14,500 steps and I had worked a 16-hour day. All right. So then my two-part question is how do you get from maybe the small wins of the parking farther away, moving the trash can to some of the bigger wins where you're at right now? Yeah, so the next step is once you've decided, well, I'm going to take these easy wins. I'm going to start moving more. I might take the stairs instead of the elevator. I might park further away. Then it is about finding little tiny pockets of time. And the way to do that, and I'm sure this is something you've talked about on your show in the past because this is the key to being more efficient is time blocking or the Pomodoro technique. So that's one of the things that I teach in the course in depth extensively is here's how to create a time blocking habit. So that way you can carve out five to 10 minutes every hour where you can be more active, but you're actually getting more done in less time because I'm a huge fan of working smarter and not working harder. So then you have to develop the habits and the systems to make sure that you can time block, have those five or 10 minutes. And then I will often take a walk once or twice a day where I like, for example, I'm at the point now where it is just ingrained in my brain. I'm Pavlov's dog that at 430, my creativity shuts off and I walk outside the door and I walk around my building for 15 or 20 minutes. It's just it's road habit. I don't even think about it anymore. Um, one thing that I do, and this, I realize that this one is going to be very unique to a lot of people, but I'm lucky enough to uh, live fairly close to where I work right now. So I'm actually walking back and forth to work and I'm not driving, but I'm going to assume that most people can't do that. So that's really not even an option for most people. But I will 
always drink as much water as possible. So when you drink a lot of water, what happens? You have to pee more. So that means you have to get up and walk to the bathroom all the time. And when you take that bathroom break, that might be an opportunity to say, go up and down a flight of steps. Like a lot of corporate buildings, they have the bathrooms near the steps. Don't really know why. Don't know if it's because if people have a bathroom emergency, they need to run to the steps. I've never been able to figure that out. But the point is that if you create these systems in your day, things that you're already doing or should be doing, like drinking water, you're going to be forced to go to the bathroom. Even if you're working with people, the one thing that's going to get you up, no matter how you might feel about, well, the culture of work says I shouldn't get up, says I shouldn't take breaks. If you got to pee, you got to pee. You're, you don't, you're not going to care about the culture of work if you're going to pee your pants. So you go to the bathroom and you just say, all right. I'm going to create a trigger in my mind. And I, as you know, you know all about triggers and creating rituals and habits. You create this trigger that says, whenever I walk to the bathroom, I'm just going to go up and down one flight of stairs. Those are ways that you can carve in little five-minute breaks and keep yourself active all day long and easily get to those 10,000 steps. Oh, that's awesome. I, it reminds me of... B.J. Fogg, who's a Stanford expert on habit formation, and he talks about these tiny habits that you're, you're doing. It's to change the behavior. You need to have the motivation. So hopefully this conversation now is getting the motivation. Then you need to have the ability, which everyone can do this as long as they say, okay, well, I'm going to use this trigger to make this action. And, and then they, they need the, the trigger for it. So it's B is equal to M-A-T, B-MAT is how he does it. And that's oh, nice. exactly how you describe it is it, it, and how to change your habit, doing it small and easy. Because yeah. it's, that's the big thing where, where a lot of people will get motivated to do something and just make massive changes. And it lasts for a week, maybe two, maybe a month. But then eventually you regress to the mean because you have to rely on all this willpower to make anything happen. And then uh, all of a sudden something happens in your life, which it's something always happens. And then your willpower is diverted and the whole routine or ritual that you built up falls by the wayside. And yeah. I really like the, the, the water hack because I'd actually gotten a question. I'm doing a energy management webinar uh, the last few weeks and water is a big one. Oxygen is a huge one that I talk about a lot. And I do a little Q and A at the end and somebody said, Hey, I've got a job where I'm expected to be at my desk for four hours and then I have lunch and then four more hours. And I was like, Ooh, New job? Uh, because I didn't know how to answer that question because it, it, you could, there are some things you could do to increase your oxygen levels while sitting, uh, mm -hmm. some, some breath work and, and stuff, but without moving your body, boy, it does seem like a difficult situation. But if you just say, hey, got to go to the bathroom, emergency, can't, sorry, boss. Yeah, uh, no, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a great hack, and I'm, I'm glad you brought up breath work because that's actually something that I have in my video library is a series of exercises that are different types of breathing exercises to rapidly increase the oxygen to your brain. It's almost like taking a hit of cocaine. I don't cocaine, I'm, I'm not condoning drugs, clearly, but if you kind of want that, that really quick hit of creativity, there's going to be a series of breathing exercises that you can go through. But more importantly, to kind of go back to what you said a minute ago about motivation and willpower, and yes, I can do this, 
What's really cool about this program is that I finally figured out a way to combine my two completely separate passions, which were number one, fitness in the workplace, but number two, goal setting and motivation through the GoFar program, which is what we talked about in the last show that we did about my GoFar documentary. And Mm -hmm. I teach the GoFar steps. It's a five-step acronym that stands for goals, obstacles, focus, act, and review. And I apply it to the setting of how do I become more active? Because I don't believe in the all or nothing approach. I think that it massively fails. Science has proven beyond the shadow of a doubt that if you do these 90-day all or nothing programs, even if you finish them, they still don't stick or make long-lasting change. So I'm a big believer that you have to make small steps over a much longer period of time. So you can say, well, I don't feel like I did much in the last year. But when I look at the way I live my day now versus a year ago, I'm a totally different person as opposed to, man, I just killed myself on P90X, man, and I killed it for 90 days. And that was a month ago, and I'm eating Doritos with Netflix again. How did that happen? So I'm I'm trying to find a way to provide a roadmap that people can follow for long-term change, which... The, the analogy that I use is P90X is you decide I need to make a change in my life. So you're driving your car and you yank your steering wheel and you yank the steering wheel of your car as hard as you can. What's going to happen? It's going to turn really fast. But my program is more like an aircraft carrier. And if you yank the steering wheel on an aircraft carrier, it might not turn around for two miles, but you are not turning that baby back anytime soon. It is going in that direction. So I'm trying to provide a a roadmap for long-term change rather than short-term gains. All right. So you're the, the, the big ship slowly moving one degree and over the years will add up to, uh, like you're now going to, uh, Australia instead of Antarctica or, or yeah, I, or, absolutely. And, and it's not like you take year. It will never take years to see the results that most people, when they start doing this within the first week, they're like, man, I can't believe how much more creative I am. And I have more energy and I get home and I'm actually not completely, totally burned out. So the, the effects are immediate, but in order to really make the long-term change and reshape your habits, it's not going to be a quick fix 90 day exercise type program. Nice. Well, I want to talk about your online course. And actually, I I was just popping through it this morning. I almost think of it more of as a a resource or an archive of all of these different things that you've learned. You've got different experts in there that you've included that will show you how to uh, relieve pain, get extra flexibility and mobility. But what I want to talk about first is something coming into the dojo by yours truly, uh, which is basically a mini series of, of what we've been talking about here. It goes a little bit further. I have the notes of, of what you plan on putting in there in front of me, if you've forgotten. Um, but uh, can you tell us a little bit about that course that's going to be in the dojo coming October? Yeah, so basically it's going to be a mini version of my Move Yourself program. So the the program that I created is called Move Yourself. That's part of a larger Optimize Yourself program that's going to contain other courses as well beyond just movement. But what I'm going to do is just kind of give your dojo users, your uh, your community, which, by the way, is an amazing community of people. For anybody listening, if you're like, uh, I don't know, I, I might try it someday. For the love of God, if you have any interest in productivity, become a dojo member. It is amazing. 
Um, and that's just coming from a user. That's not me trying to plug it or anything. That's just my own personal experience. But the idea is that it's a mini version of the Move Yourself program. So you can, number one, just kind of learn some of the reasons why it's so important to start moving. Because it's my belief that you can give anybody all of the resources, all of the tools. But if they don't have a larger why behind it and they don't understand the foundation of its importance, they're never going to do it. So I could give you 10 steps to be more active, but if you don't know why it's important, you're never going to do them habitually and make it part of your life. So the first step is just understanding why should I care about movement? Um, and then the next step is just understanding, well, how can I create a more dynamic work environment? What are some of the changes that I can make? And what are some of the easy wins that I can implement into my life to go a little bit further than some of the things we've talked about on the show? And then beyond that, it's how do I start creating these habits and tracking them? And I'm a huge, huge productivity nerd. I love my apps. I love my to-do lists and my project management tools. And I said, what if I took my love of project management and organization and I applied it to movement habits? So I actually teach how you can use a program like Trello to activate yourself to be more active and make it a habitual process. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, you've got it all in there. The one thing that I think is going to be really cool, because I saw it in your current program, I was like, can you please put this in the dojo, is how to organize your environment. And and you, we already talked about this before, but um, you, you've got a cool hack with how to create a height adjustable desk and use a topo mask, uh, a mat rather. Uh, we call this uh, making our bat cave in the dojo. It's conversation that we have all the time. It's like, oh, I just got this new um, standing desk. I got this new treadmill thing or I, whatever it happens to be. Now I put a kettlebell next to my uh, desk and I, I, every 90 minutes I do 20 of them, you know, 20 thrusters. Uh, so that's, I'm looking forward to that. And, and for $29, they get a sneak peek at your, uh, your course, as well as everything else we have in there, including how to use Evernote effectively, backing up, hard drive, being productive on the road, email management, all these different, I think it's, the dojo has been going on over a year now. So it's got, got over 13 months worth of these mini courses. And some of these mini courses are, uh, turning into Mondo courses. I'm really excited about Evernotes, which is probably already out because it's going to come out in September. So that is awesome. And let's, let's end things there since we, we've given people a taste. Um, and I want to talk to you uh, about the tools that you use. So we'll end with a book, tool, and ritual. But uh, feel free to dive into the tool section very deeply and tell us uh, about the tools that you use for measuring and tracking the progress when it comes to staying moving, staying energized, staying uh, creative during the day. So let's start with that one. What's a, a tool or resource you would recommend for our listeners for that area of your life? Well, I already kind of set up a, and it seems so counterintuitive because if you asked any fitness professional on the planet, which tool do you recommend for being more active? I would say Trello. And they'd be like, what the hell is Trello? But to me, that's the thing that really helps me understand and um, motivates me to become more active throughout the day because I just create this little movement routine that I have on a Trello card with checklists and it's it's my accountability. So I use Trello as my number one tool for organizing my movement habits. Beyond that, if, if I were to say to somebody here, you need three tools to really make this work and I recommend a whole host of other tools in the full program. But if there are only three, it would be Trello would be number one. The second would be some sort of tracking device. I personally use Fitbit. I've worked with a lot of people now in 
when everybody wants to try and cut costs and try some other tracker and they're always like, yeah, I ended up getting a Fitbit and the Fitbit just works better and it's more reliable. So Fitbit would be the next one. I personally have the Fitbit Blaze, which is kind of the iWatch version of the Fitbit, but you can get the Fitbit Charge. You can just get the Fitbit One, which will go on like your belt strap and nobody will even know that it's there. Um, And then the third thing, which is a little bit more advanced, but because I know you have a technologically advanced audience, is tracking your heart rate variability. This is a huge one for me. And I won't go too deep into this. I actually have an entire podcast with the creator of this technology. But heart rate variability is basically just a measurement of how your nervous system is working. And it's telling you with graphs and charts, how is your parasympathetic nervous system working versus your sympathetic nervous system. So if you're thinking, wow, I feel really stressed out, this is actually gonna tell you from a numerical perspective, are you stressed or not? And it's something that you can do for insanely cheap you buy a heart rate strap for like 45 or 50 bucks and then you get a an app for like five dollars you put it on for three minutes in the morning when you wake up i do it when i meditate in the morning and you have a measurement of the strength of your nervous system so if you have a big day and you want to know am i going to be able to handle it this chart will kind of tell you and i've been doing it for almost two years and the charts pretty much never lie So those are the three things that I would say you really have to track if you really want to be serious about this is using Trello to track your habits, using activity tracker, and I prefer the Fitbit to track your movement, and then third, tracking your heart rate variability to know how strong or weak your nervous system is. So that's where I would start. Awesome. And and I've listened to that episode and I had no idea about heart rate variability. You, you do a great job explaining it step by step. Your podcast is Fitness and Post. Uh, you'll email me the link or, or message yeah, me I'll the link. Yeah, I'll send you a link to that specific And, and we'll put it in the, uh, in the show notes because people, if you've never heard of heart rate variability and don't know what it is, it's something you should learn about. And uh, Zach does a great job explaining it. We, don't necessarily have the time to do it on this particular episode. All right. Well, that's that's great, Zach. Uh, your your full course on Move Yourself, where can people find out more about that? Yeah, so they can go to optimizeyourself.me, and they're going to kind of get the, the basic introduction to what the course is. And then if they want to learn more, I'll send them a, a free gift, which is basically just a, a quick guide to help you how – it's going to help you learn how to generate more energy and creative focus on demand pretty much instantly. So I can send that guide, which is just kind of like a mini version of some of the stuff they'll learn in the course. But even cooler is because I'm such a huge fan of what you guys are doing. And Asian efficiency is frankly one of the main reasons I ever even got a course done in the first place, given my regular schedule. Um, your listeners can get 25% off when my course launches at the beginning of October. So all they have to do is go to optimizeyourself.me slash Asian efficiency, and I will hook everybody up that's listening right now. Awesome. And we will put that in the show notes as well. So you can find that link there. And thank you so much for the discount. I did not know you were going to do that. That's cool. Yeah, man. When I say that you guys helped me get this thing done, that is not an exaggeration. Like I was a productivity nightmare two years ago. And then I went on the Googs one day, Mr. Google, and said, I'm tired of managing email. And one of your articles popped up. I'm like, who are these guys? 
And then I started doing it. I went deeper and deeper down the rabbit hole. And now I'm a complete and total productivity junkie. And you guys were my first dealer. So, <laughs> Well, you're welcome. Whenever you need another hit, you could just uh, come on over. And we're actually, we're diving into email uh, quite deeply these days. And I think I'm going to come on your podcast and talk to your audience about uh, email in, in a week or two. Uh, it's uh, We had a... a, a uh, it's hireanerd.com, a Harvard graduate, um, and do research for us on all these stats for email, and it's astounding. Just like the stats you say with, with movement is pretty shocking, the stats with email, just as shocking on how big a drain it is on individuals and our society as a whole. So to be discussed in another episode for sure. Cool. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm going to be one of the first people that wants to sign up for that because I think that email is just the the bane of our modern existence. And when I go to new jobs, because I I will, I don't have a full time job as a film editor. I go from show to show. So like I was on Empire for two years, but in between seasons, you're laid off and you go to another show. And I always walk in and I tell everybody, don't email me. Like I have all these systems in place. I'm going to show you what they are. If you want to contact me, do not send me email because anything in an internal team can be done without email. You can't get rid of it from your life completely. But for the love of God, if you work with people in a team, do not email each other. So there's your free plug for your email. (laughs) Oh, thanks. And I do remember when we originally emailed each other and then had conversations, you were showing me all these little hacks and whatnot you did to manage your email. And it kind of worked. It seemed like a good duct tape system, but I'm glad you're out of your inbox a lot more because there there are more efficient mediums of communication than the the old inbox. Yeah, I could not agree with that more. Zach, I got too excited to let you go on to a productive day. I forgot about the book and the ritual. And I know the book was a big part of creating your program. So can you talk about the the book that has helped you become more productive? Yeah. So the the book that I would recommend to just about anybody that wants to understand how to create more systems to be more active is called The Checklist Manifesto. It is by Atul Gawande. And then kind of a bonus second book that I'm actually getting through now is called The Art of Less Doing by Ari Mizell, who I recently had on my podcast. That's all about how to optimize automate and outsource things that you're doing. And I kind of feel what I'm trying to do is automate and outsource movement so you don't have to think about it and you can create the ritual to do so. And the checklist manifesto is not a how-to book. It is about the theory behind how checklists can make you more productive, more effective, and give you more space in your brain to be creative. So those are hugely, hugely influential books in the program that I've created. I mean, as far as a ritual, if I were to kind of add on a really, really simple ritual to some of the easy wins that I I've already given one that I will tell people and it doesn't matter if you're man woman overweight underweight everybody takes showers at least I hope they do I don't know how many people we have listening to this that you know live out on the street and somehow find a way to still consume podcasts but assuming that your listener takes a shower you have to wait for the water to warm up for at least a little bit just drop and start doing push-ups while you're waiting for your shower to warm up. That's something that I do just about every day. And no matter my schedule, I always have 60 seconds to knock out some push-ups. Oh, another tiny habit. Like it, Zach. As far as the checklist manifesto goes, there's an awesome TED Talk he he did, and I'll link to that in the show notes. But you've encouraged me to finally read that. That's been on my to-read list for, for quite some time. And if people want to hear about Ari Mizell, he's got a podcast as well. 
And episode 23 of The Productivity Show, I interview him. Uh, pretty good uh, pretty good session. He had a lot of tips in there, too. So uh, thank you so much, and I uh, look forward to connecting with you soon. Thank you so much for, for sharing your, your knowledge about movement and fitness and creativity in the workplace. It's, it's always inspiring when I, I talk to you because you just lay out the facts like they are and, uh, and then make me want to do something. So I will strap on that Fitbit. I will find out how much I'm moving. And if I need to move more, I, uh, I know where to go. Awesome. Well, as always, it is a pleasure to be on your show and be able to help out you and your listeners in any way that I can. All right. Well, take care. I'll talk soon, Zach. Cool. There is your energetic dose of two Zachs. All the links and resources we mentioned on the show will be in the show notes at theproductivityshow.com forward slash 110. And Zach gave us that link for the 25% discount for his course. If you type in the promo code Asian, you will get that. And if you want to find out more about the dojo where you can check out his mini course, as well as all the other courses that we have put together, if you go to aedojo.com, you can find out more information there. Until next week, when we, I promise, Tan and I are booked. We're going to be talking about email. Uh, please plan review, organize, prioritize, delegate and automate what you can, focus on your most important task, take care of yourself, find momentum, move towards your ideal, achieve anything but not everything, enjoy this life, do more, and be better. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll look forward to connecting once again next Productive Monday.